All right, well, we have some awesome stuff going on today. I love days like this where we have a baby dedication, uh, baptism, and then we're going to be installing a, a new deacon here shortly. And I thought, actually, the passage that um, David Kesselring read goes perfectly because this is a, a day of celebration for us. Um, and it's a great picture of how God uh, works in our life. What you are seeing here today and what you will see is the outworking of God um, in the life of the church. So we celebrate. Why do we celebrate? Because of God's goodness. He is very good to us, and he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ, is what it says in Ephesians. And because all of, all of this is of God, and we get to be a part of it. I mean, what a privilege. I mean, he didn't have to use us to do any of the stuff we're going to see today. Baptism, we all get to participate in. Raising children, we get to participate in. Even as the church, we get to be a part of that. Um, ordaining a deacon into the office to serve, we get to be a part of that. So we celebrate that. We celebrate because God wants his children to enjoy his creation. He wants us to enjoy the world that he created for us, and we celebrate because of what he's given to us, um, physical stuff, but also spiritual things. And we celebrate because he's working in us and through us as we see here in our midst. All of this begins with God from the moment we're created. Think about children for a minute. I want any, any children here from one to nine, I want you to stand and, uh, and raise your hand so we can see it. Because if you stand, we might not see you. Okay. Stand and raise your hand real high. Okay, good job, good job. You can sit down. Aren't we blessed? We are very, very, very blessed. Um, <clears throat> guests that have come before have noticed how we are blessed with children. Even a gentleman I was meeting right before the service start um, mentioned it. God has blessed our congregation um, with children, and we are truly blessed. Look at Acts chapter 2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on a couple passages today. This is the first one in Acts chapter 2. I shared a portion of this with the people being baptized um, at our baptism class earlier today, um, but I didn't share this part. I want to share it with all of you now. In verse 39, it says this. This is after Peter has basically given the first, um, the first sermon after Jesus has ascended. He's just finished giving them the gospel. And he says this in verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So the promise is for those that were there, their children, and all who are far off. We were the far off ones at the time, right? And now it's our time. And now it's our children's time. So what a privilege that God blesses our children to be raised in a Christian home. But here's the thing. It's not just about being born. It's about being raised. Because bearing children... I've never born any myself, by the way, okay? <laughs> but I was witness to four children being born, okay? But bearing them and raising them 
are two entirely different things. Every uh, parent has to fight and fight and struggle to raise their children properly. It is no easy task. It's never an easy task. But I want you um, to hear me on this. James chapter 4, we're going to look at that. You can look at it later. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, God gives a greater grace. He gives a greater grace. And any parent will tell you that they need that greater grace. They definitely do. And he gives it. He gives the grace to raise your children to seek and to follow him. Here's the thing. Life itself that God gives us is precious. I mean, we are created in the image of God, and he gives us intrinsic value, meaning just because of the sake that we are breathing, we have intrinsic value. We have value. And he gives this value to no other living thing. Humans are in a class by themselves. That's why if we have to choose between killing an animal or killing a human, there really is no choice. It's obvious what you do. The life of the human always supersedes anything. It's more valuable than any other life. And that's why we're celebrating life, because God gives it to us. It's one of his good gifts that he gives to us. Now, we don't know what God's plan is for Emmett or for any of our children here. But we know what his heart is for them. We know what his heart is. And that's for them to grow up to love him, to seek him, to serve him. So God might use Emmett in a thousand different ways. And it'll be the baby's job and Emmett's job to seek him to know which of those steps he's supposed to be following. But we always know what the heart of God is when it comes to our children. And it's for them to know him, to know him personally, not just in a far-off, abstract way, but in a real, personal way. So this life has intrinsic value because it's made in the image of God. Um, unfortunately, sin comes in. And it kind of mars the image of God. It messes up God's original perfect design. But here's the thing. God does not leave us to our own wicked devices. He has a rescue plan. A rescue plan that he had in mind before he ever created any of us. Before he even created the world, he had a rescue plan in mind. And that was him covenanting with his son to rescue us to come and redeem us. Look at John chapter 3. We're just going to look at one verse here because of time. John chapter 3, verse 3. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisee named Nicodemus. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I had not really ever heard this term much growing up. And if I did, it was more in a distant way. I remember when I first got saved, though, I was working at a hardware store, and my coworker was like, after I was kind of giving her my testimony, she was like, so would you call yourself one of those born-again Christians? And I, I didn't even know what that meant. I, was, I didn't. So I was just like, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what happened. God's come into my life. 
He's dr drastically changed it. I've put my faith and trust in Jesus in a way that I had not the previous 17 years of my life. So whatever term you need to use, that's great. Um, I'm saved because of God's grace. But here is where that term comes from. And, and Jesus makes it crystal clear. You want to go to heaven? You got to be born again. Okay? So we have, we have birth, which is physical, and then we have the new birth, or being born again, which is spiritual. Everyone is born once, and all of us need to be born twice. Uh, shortly, we're going to see um, some baptisms, and uh, I'm excited to, to see that. I love teaching the baptism class. Um, what they're going to do is to make a public statement to all of us here of something that's already happened on the inside. Um, this water, let's see if it's warm. <laughs> it is warm, it's quite warm. That water um, does not save people. Okay. Um, them getting into the water does not save them. Them going under the water doesn't save them. Okay. God saves them through faith in his son. Okay. And what you're seeing is them wanting to take a step of obedience. Because um, Jesus says one of the last things he says when he was still on this earth was he says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Okay. So we're going to see their obedience to Jesus' command to be baptized. It's going to be an exciting thing. See, God comes into our lives and transforms us. Not all at once. Um, sometimes there's drastic stuff. Um, but also little by little. Um, all of you friends and family here, guests today, you should notice a different life in the people being baptized. What they were before and what they are now. And it's not just moralistic. It's not just them being a good person, but you should see direction, you should see focus, you should see pursuit of loving God and loving neighbor. And if you're a guest, I, I hope you see that. And I hope you also see um, the love that this church has for one another and also for you. I remember when I first got saved, one of my friends um, came to me and said to me, um, I want the old mic back. That's, that's exactly what they said. Um, they realized that there was an old mic and there was a new mic, right? And they didn't like the new mic. Um, because the new Mike didn't want to do the things that the old Mike used to do. Okay? But the old Mike um, was, was buried and put away and crucified with Jesus on the cross. That's the symbolism we get. When they go under the water, it's one of the reasons we immerse. It's a clear picture. The old is being laid to rest. The new is coming to life. So when God saves us, what does he save us from? He saves us from something. He saves us from hell. But he also saves us to something, an eternity with him. But he also saves us for something, to seek and to serve him. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace 
you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, so God saves us by his grace. He pours it out on us through faith in his son Jesus. He says there very clearly, it's not about works. Why? Well, here, one of the reasons is so no one can boast. Not a result of works so no one may boast. Then notice in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God gives us initial life. Okay? Then he calls us to trust in him. And if we do that, we get a second life, a new life. We're born again. And then when we have that new life, he calls us to seek and to serve him. Now, this is the very thing his son came to do on this earth. Matthew 20, 28 says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. See, God doesn't ask us to do anything that he isn't already willing to do. Okay? He serves us through his Son. He pours out his grace. He gives us good gifts over and over and over. And many times you hear people say, Oh, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Okay, you want to be like Jesus? It's servanthood. Jesus was a servant at heart. So if the king of kings can serve, how much more should his followers serve? Now, all these things are for God's glory. And listen to me. There's times when God does something in your life to increase your faith. He speaks to you, shows you something in his word, answers a prayer request in a powerful way. Guess what? You have to decide what you're going to do with that. You're going to, you have to decide if you're going to take a hold of that. Are you just going to let it disappear? Are you going to ignore it? Are you going to forget about it? You have to be careful not to ignore what he's doing in your life. Okay? Be like the judge in the Old Testament, Samuel. You know what it said about Samuel? It said he let none of the Lord's words fall to the ground. When God speaks to you, make sure you act on it. Every time he speaks to you, it's a calling to you to teach you, to train you, to show you that he loves you. God is actively working around you. You can try to ignore it. You can close your eyes to it. He's active and he's working. Let me encourage you to heed his call. Listen to his call. Act on it. Because someday God is going to do what every good judge does. He's going to judge righteously. That's what I, if I'm before a judge, guess what? I'm going to be judged righteously. Abraham, the patriarch in the Old Testament, said it best. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? He's appealing to God and saying, God, you're just, and you're going to do the righteous thing each time. Listen, if someone murdered your best friend and he went to trial, and the defense attorney says, well, well, judge, he, he was in the mentoring Big Brother program, and, and he helped feed the homeless, and he, did, um, he has uh, you know, this lovely wife that he ministers to and cares for, and he's doing a great job raising his kids. So the good outweighs the bad. Is the judge going to buy that? 
Would you call him a good judge if he bought that? You'd call him a corrupt judge. You'd call him a bad judge. The judge judges righteously. That's what righteous judges do. And the judge of all the earth, as Abraham called him, will one day fully and finally judge all mankind. Every single person in this room will stand before God to give an account. Every single person. But here is the good news. That's why he sent his son. That's the rescue plan. That's the plan from the beginning to save us, to offer a way. Romans 10 at 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It sounds so simple. Trust in Jesus for your salvation. So simple, yet many people reject it. Many people don't want to do it. But that is the way of salvation. Jesus said it clearly himself. He said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Okay? If you just think Jesus is a good teacher, then you've got to deal with that verse, right? You have to deal with that. And he made it, he made it clear that if you want to know the Father, you have to know him. That eternal life rests with him and him alone. And he offers it to all of us. Salvation is a gift that God gives through faith to any and all who call upon him. If you trust in Jesus, the word says you will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our life. We thank you that we are privileged to be a part of the service through our amens, through our listening, through our clapping, God, through our singing, through our voices. We thank you, Lord, we get to witness firsthand people that are testifying that their life has been changed by your son. And we thank you, God, that you are the God of unending mercy, the God of unending grace. You poured out upon us over and over and over again, Lord, to all those who seek you, to all those who call upon the name of your Son. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here. I pray for the believers here, Lord. that they would know, Lord, in you, they have the greater grace for whatever they're dealing with, whatever they're struggling with, whatever they're fighting through, Lord, the greater grace is theirs through you. And I pray for any here who might not know you, God, that you would um, speak to them, Lord, and that they wouldn't ignore it, but they would hear it, that they would receive it, that you would show them the excellencies of your love and mercy, of how beautiful it is, to truly know you and your son. You are a good God, and we love you. Amen.